Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope that you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. Good morning, boys and girls. I'm just going to do my children's ministry routine, okay? No big words. Have some cartoons. Actually, I really am privileged to bring the message today. I've enjoyed the series we're in on unwrapping Christmas and seeing the different names and characteristics of Jesus just reminded me again, like, wow, he's awesome. What a great Christmas gift came, whatever, 2,000 years ago. So I'm really glad to finish up the series with Prince of Peace, the last name of Jesus in the the text we're going to look at. Um, But to start it off, I want to rewind to the summer back in June my wife and I went to Turkey Run State Park. It's the first time we'd been there. Anyone been there before? Yeah, quite a few. It's, it's pretty interesting. They've got these covered bridges there from old-timey days, and they do this bridge festival in the fall. But the reason we went there is for the hiking. They've got a lot of interesting um, like canyons and rock formations, and the trails follow along. Sometimes you're down in these kind of ravines, and you have to actually walk through the riverbed. Sometimes you're scrambling up these staircases, and, and even sometimes there's ladders that you go up and down the canyon walls. So it's a kind of like advanced level hiking, I guess, but it was a beautiful day. We had a nice time. Here's a picture of us just kind of in the middle of the, one of those hikes, on one of those wooden platforms, uh, my wife Jackie. So we were finishing up a hike, and we came upon this group of maybe four or five teenagers coming the other way, coming in our direction. So they were just starting out. They had a lot of hiking ahead of them yet. And one of them was leading on a leash a little piglet. It was like really cute. And as we got closer, I saw it had a little vest on and embroidery on the vest. It said, emotional support animal. Here's a picture of a piglet. You know, they're adorable. Uh, and then there's a little puppy with an emotional support vest on. So, like, do a mashup of those two pictures. That's kind of what we saw. So I had a few thoughts all at once. Like, okay, that piglet is in trouble. He's never going to be able to do that hike. Those little legs. <laughs> the next thought wasn't, I'm not proud of it, but it was a critical thought. Like, oh, come on. You can't make it through this hike without bringing your teddy bear? But then I think Jesus interjected another thought from maybe a place of compassion. What had this kid been through that I had no idea about? What kind of things were spoken over him? What kind of toxic home situation had brought him to this place of fragility and brokenness that he needed this comfort? So later I looked it up online on Wikipedia, where the world goes for knowledge. (laughs) And this is what it said for emotional support animal. Any animal that provides support, well-being, comfort, or aid to an individual through companionship, unconditional positive regard, or affection. That sounds really good. Unconditional positive regard. I've never heard that turn of phrase, but that's, that's good. 
It's like, it doesn't matter what you're like, what kind of day you had, I'm just going to love on you. So I get, the, I get the draw now. Okay, I see it. I get it now. But still, I just feel, maybe you agree with me, if you, if you need to bring that animal with you throughout the day, into Taco Bell, whatever you're doing, you're not in a place of robust mental health. So I did a little looking on this. Um, the American Psychiatric Association, I didn't know that existed, they've got a textbook, a manual, where they've listed out all the mental illness that they could figure out. There's over 200 distinct mental illness categories. Wow. The Centers for Disease Control website, I just found a few quick facts on mental illness there. It's one of the most common health conditions in the U.S. A few stats, more than 50% of Americans will be diagnosed with a mental illness or disorder at some point in their lifetime. More than half. One in five Americans will experience a mental illness in a given year. Suicide, which is often associated with symptoms of mental illness, is the tenth leading cause of death in the U.S. and the second leading cause of death among people aged 10 to 34. I mean, is anyone else kind of taken aback when you've seen it in print like that? I mean, I, I know that we all got stress and anxiety, but this is rampant. With stats like these, many of us in this room are part of these statistics. And for those that aren't, we get it. You know, we've got our anxieties, our fears, our worries, the things that just kind of tear us up inside and steal our peace. I worry about all kinds of stuff, stupid things like, are the leaves all going to fall in time for me to get them out to the curb before the last pickup of the year? <laughs> are my kids going to lose interest in, in God? I worry about, as I'm getting older, my mind, my memory glitching. I forget stuff. Sometimes I catch myself having the same conversation at work, and I think, uh-oh, I hope nobody figures out that I'm just kind of faking it, and I can't keep my job. I, like, we've all got our stuff and our little, the little stuff that lurks around is probing, trying to get into our mind and bring us down. We've got a storm going on in here. Now, that's good news today that we've got the Prince of Peace, Jesus can calm that storm. That's where we're going today. And here's the big idea. If we want more peace, we really just need more Jesus. Amen. That's right. Paul says straight up in Ephesians 2.14, talking about Jesus, for he himself is our peace. And David in the Old Testament said it this way, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. All right, so not really maybe a new concept, but my hope today is that this talk stirs us to make some movement towards Jesus. So just pray with me while we get rolling here. Jesus, thank you for every person who's here today. Thank you that you are our Prince of Peace. Open our hearts to you, to your voice. Grab our attention today. Because we need peace. In your name, amen. All right, guys. 
uh, Isaiah 11 is where we're going to be today. You can start turning there in your Bibles. We're also going to have it up on the screen. It's a big book right in the middle of the Bible. It's kind of an intimidating book, but I actually been reading it over the past few months in my personal Bible time, and I was kind of scared to read it because it's so big and talks about prophecy, and a lot of it I don't understand, I'll just be honest with you. But the thing that comes through loud and clear is God's outrageous personality, his control, and his love for us. And it's now my new favorite book of the Bible. So just about every scripture reference I'm going to work into the talk today is going to come right out of Isaiah. I'm going to try and convince you to get into that book too. Uh, our theme verse for the message series, Isaiah 9-6, it's from Isaiah, names of Jesus, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. That's what we're talking about today. So um, chapter 11, verses 6 through 9 is actually, make a little plug for this thing. Well, I guess we're done with it now, but anyone use the Vineyard Christmas reading bookmark? You people, yeah, I found this super helpful. I, I want to read the Bible with my family, but it's hard to make it happen. It's hard for the schedules to line up. It's hard for me to even know what to read. So this is stuck to the refrigerator. It's really easy to go. It's like, what day is it? Oh, okay, this is what we're reading. We read that, and then it's got a little box you can check off. Feels so good. Any weirdos who like checking stuff off? Couple. All right. So I'm, we're going to read uh, Isaiah 11, 6 through 9, and I picked this because it's a very peaceful scene. We're talking about the Prince of Peace. This is a peaceful scene that Jesus is going to bring about. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. The young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Ah, isn't it peaceful? The sun rises over the meadow. The woodland creatures emerge from their burrows. Good morning, Mr. Ox. Good morning, Mr. Lion. Good morning, Mr. Viper. Good morning, Mr. Baby. All right, you can cut the music. All right, so at, at first pass, it does seem kind of cheesy, like, give me a break, like, happy, happy, joy, joy, everything's so peaceful. But you know, when, you, when we read this again, it's kind of radical. Let, let's, let's have the infant play with the cobra. No, no, no. Let's have the baby stick his hand down in the snake hole. Yeah, let's do that. Do we have a picture of that? Does that look right? No. Those things shouldn't go together. So what kind of future, peaceful, place is Jesus fashioning where it's okay. The baby and the snake can hang out. Or how about the lion who eats straw like an ox? I'm not a super knowledgeable nature guy, but I know that a lion can't eat grass. Their teeth are more like fangy, bitey, 
Terry, right? They're not flat teeth that mash up grass like a cow. And they don't have the right stomach plumbing, right? You need like four stomachs, a ruminant animal, they call it, to digest grass. So if a lion's eating grass, he's had some kind of jaw reconstruction, a gastric bypass, <laughs> and his whole appetites are different now. He's got a, ugh, meat, ugh, give me some of that grass. <clears throat> All right, so here's the big idea. If, if a babies can cuddle with cobras, and lions have gone vegan, there's been a complete fundamental transformation that the Prince of Peace has done. If he can bring that kind of transformational peace, he can transform any situation, even ours. So you can write this in on your handout. Our peace grows when we believe Jesus can transform. So this is a prophecy about a future state that Jesus is going to bring about. But let's talk about something that's already happened. Mark shared about this in the first message, wonderful counselor in this series, talked about this demon-possessed man who encounters Jesus in Mark 5. So look at, let's look at his before Jesus state. Uh, we can bring that up on, yeah, okay. The man lived in the tombs. Okay, that's not normal. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. Super violent, strong. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. And Luke, it also says that he's naked. So this guy's deeply disturbed. I don't think giving him an emotional support piglet is going to help him. He needs, he needs more, and he gets more. He gets Jesus. He has an encounter with Jesus. So let's look at after Jesus, his state. Uh, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. A totally different guy. What happened? It's totally different. But there's more. This, this guy who, you couldn't look him in the eye, he couldn't, he was incapable of human interaction, is now, you know, Jesus says, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. This guy, now he is going out, looking people in the eye, having one-on-one -on -one conversation, testifying to what Jesus has done, impacting people. What a turnaround. What a redemption in his situation. So if Jesus can bring that kind of transforming peace to this guy, he can deal with whatever it is that's stealing our peace. I mean, you guys are doing way... Look, you're all wearing clothes. You're doing way better than that guy. I can't see in the back. Y'all wearing clothes back there? Ushers will assist you out if you're not. All right. So our peace grows when we believe Jesus can transform. And I think believe is so important. That's why I had that in the fill-in. You know, we can believe a lot of stuff. We can believe that, no, no, I just need CBD oil. That's what I need to give me peace. What we believe matters. That's your next fill-in. just want to reiterate that. What we believe matters. Our actions are driven by our beliefs. I'll give you a story to kind of illustrate the point. 
I'm a car, car guy. I like to do all my own car work. My neighbors are in here, and I'm not going to point them out, but I'm really stoked they're here. And they always see my car up on blocks, doing something on it. And I just enjoy the satisfaction of figuring it out, getting it fixed, saving some money. And at one point, with my huge family, we had six vehicles in our fleet. So I couldn't afford to send all those cars out to get worked on. So anyway, uh, I had this, this car one day that died on me on the way home from work. And even though I'm a car guy, just, if I'm honest, I'm not really that good at it. I'm just kind of a hack, but I get it done. So anyway, this car died on the way home from work. So I got it towed back to my house. I was pretty sure I knew it was the fuel pump, uh, but I was busy, I was working, and so I had to kind of juggle cars with my wife to make it through the rest of the week. Saturday came, like, okay, I've got time to tear into it. Fuel pump is in the fuel tank, so it's not easy to get to. So it's a big job. I knew, okay, I'm just going to lose this whole Saturday doing this. But fortunately, this car had a trap door under the back seat. You could take the back seat out, remove this little access panel. Oh, look, there's the fuel pump. Great. Oh, I don't have the right tools to take this apart. You need special tools to disconnect the fuel hoses. And anyway, I spent a whole couple of hours figuring out how to get it out. But in the end, I prevailed, triumphantly pulling the fuel pump out and feeling really awesome that I did it. And I figured, hey, you know, might as well just inspect the fuel tank real quick since I, I got this out. And I looked in there, and funny, funny thing, there was no gas in the tank. Anybody want me to work on your car? <laughs> I had a problem that $3 would have fixed. But because I believed something that wasn't true, it massively complicated my life. And I, I spent a lot of time chasing after something that wasn't, wasn't right. So here's the point. You know, coming back to what we believe about Jesus being able to transform you know, here's a question for your handout. Do I believe Jesus can fix me? What we believe matters. And if we're putting our faith in something else, it's going to be a rough road. You know, I think about the, that demon-possessed man that Jesus transformed and like, well, I, I just can't have a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus like that. I want his magic wand, poof, to fix me. But his power hasn't changed. He's still in the business of transforming lives. Isaiah 61.1, I don't know if we've got that one uh, on the screen or not, but it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. That sounds like dealing with our emotional stuff. To proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. He's, he's still transforming lives. All right, our peace grows and we believe Jesus can transform. Second point, I want to go back to the text in Isaiah 11. Remember, it's describing this crazy peaceful scene where predator and prey are just hanging out together. And the last verse, verse 9, explains how this happened, how it took place. It says, they will, they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. 
So it's the fact that it's the knowledge of the Lord. And I don't know how animals get filled with the knowledge of the Lord and the earth. Don't understand it. But when, when the earth is filled with the knowledge of the Lord, peace reigns. There's this transformation. And I like this imagery of the, as the waters cover the sea. It's like it flows around and under and through and it's like saturating every pore. When we are that permeated with the knowledge of the Lord, peace just results. So here's a practical way we can do that. It's the second thing you can write in or for point two on your handout. Our peace grows when we make Jesus the center of our attention. If we want to get more knowledge of the Lord, we need to focus on him. I try to be intentional with my family to, to try and do that, you know, and read the Bible. It's hard because everyone's got school stuff and jobs and scheduling doesn't work out, but we try. Stuff like this helps, you know. Uh, but we were, we were doing a reading um, beginning of December when we were looking for things for Christmas time. This is from Psalm 27, verse 4, Psalm of David. It says, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. My son Jamie commented after that, that phrase, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, just feels a little awkward, you know? Isn't he dreamy? <laughs> like, I don't want to do that. That's weird. But let's go with David here for a second. He's a pretty macho dude, soldier. Killed a lot of people. Lived in caves. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt here. So think about something that you find visually just grabs your attention. It's like a, maybe a beautiful sunset over a lake or something. I don't know. A harvest moon. Whenever I see that real low in the sky... Like, it grabs my attention, like, oh, wow. Or maybe if you're into cars, you know, a beautifully restored car. Like, you just like, whoa, do a double take and just appreciate it. That's, that's the concept that David's getting at here. Just gaze on the beauty of the Lord. Appreciate. Okay? I can't see God, so how do I do that? Well, for me, here's how it works. I see God through how he has revealed himself in his word. So I want to pick three different verses from what book of the Bible do you think? Isaiah. You got it. Just to, to give an example of like, if we look at God, what do we see? Isaiah 46, 3 to 4. Listen to me, you descendants of Jacob, all the remnant of the people of Israel. Now get this progression. You whom I have upheld since your birth, and have carried since you were born, even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you, and I will carry you. I will sustain you, and I will rescue you. Here's God declaring his intentions that he's got us from cradle to grave. 
And it, it doesn't come through to me like a sense of obligation, like, well, I'll do it because I have to. But it sounds like he wants to, and he's excited about it. Here's another, another example from Isaiah 40:11. His words. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. I, I guess I've heard the shepherd analogy, but I would think, I don't know about shepherding, but maybe a bunch of lambs be unruly. Maybe you need like a switch or a stick or something. Come on, over here. You know, poking them or whatever. Come on, you guys. Or if he's got to carry them, maybe like, ugh, you lambs. Come on, back over here. But that's not what it says. He says, and carries them close to his heart. It's a sense of intimacy and caring and compassion. Not a distant, transactional God, but a relational God. I don't know, this view of Jesus it's coming through in his word is very attractive. When I just reflect on that, I have more peace. Like, man, he's got my back. He cares for me. And he's got us right to the end. One more verse. Isaiah 54, 10. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. So when we just kind of reflect on or gaze on the beauty of the Lord in this way, it's renewing our mind with the knowledge of the Lord and our peace will increase. You can write this in on your handout. When it comes to Jesus, it's okay to stare. The opposite, uh, focusing on other stuff, people, other distractions, is that those things can often steal our peace. I came across a study from 2017 that followed 5,000 people and monitored their Facebook usage for a period of three years. And what it found was the people who used it the most at the end of the study had the greatest decrease in self-reported mental health. It's kind of shocking. So basically, if we, if we are spending a lot of our time looking at other people and what they've got and their stuff and the friend group it seems like they have, that, that'll steal our peace. And I'm not just trying to bash Facebook. I enjoy social media. But there's a balance there about we need to make sure we're keeping our eyes on Jesus. I mean, there's other things that take our attention. Our to-do list. I don't know. Netflix. All kinds of things. So here's a... Well, before I give you this question, I want to I challenge you with a verse, another verse from Isaiah 26.3. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. This idea of stayed on you means like, I'm just going to park my mind on Jesus. I'm going to give him my attention. I'm going to 
focus on him. That's what that's talking about. We do that, we get perfect peace. So here's a question you can fill in on your handout. What's got my attention? And maybe more important than writing the word in is thinking about that question. What does have my attention? Is it my job? Romance? My fitness tracker? My to-do list? My little screen? I mean, can, can Jesus compete with this? The thing that's just got our attention all the time? So what's got... What's got our attention? Because the things that get our attention can consume our lives. So you can write in this super clever fill-in. No Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. That's right. Everything you ever needed to know about God is on a bumper sticker. I don't know why we spent 30 minutes getting to that point. All right, um, so those are my main points I wanted to share today. Our peace grows when we believe Jesus can transform and when we make Jesus the center of our attention. Not rocket science, kind of obvious, but there's a big difference between knowing something and actually doing it, right? Anyone who's lived more than a day, knows that. A lot of times we know what we should do, we just don't do it. God knows that about us too. He had this, this verse just cracked me up from Isaiah. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. Mm, he knows he knows we often make the poor choice. We chase the shiny thing, the new thing, the thing we're, we think is going to give us peace rather than focusing on him. So here's the invitation as we close it up here. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's a real invitation. It's as real as the air we're breathing. So you can fill this in. Last question. What is my response to his invitation? Mark's going to come up and uh, lead us into a ministry time and a time of prayer. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray that you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.